Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are going to be uh, taking back up in Daniel chapter 1, and we'll start around verse 14 and finish out chapter 1. Now remember, this is about uh, 600 years before Christ. This uh, The nation of Israel has just uh, been uh, um, conquered, so to speak. The, uh, Babylon, the Assyrians had come in and taken the northern kingdom, and then the Babylonians come in, take over Assyria, take over... Uh, come on in and take control of things. And then they get as far down as uh, around Jerusalem. They've been laying siege to Jerusalem. And then they finally um, uh, conquer uh, Jerusalem. And now we are in the first wave of prisoners, so to speak, being taken back to Babylon. So he takes the cream of the crop. He takes the nobility. He takes um, Jehoiakim back. And uh, so um, he's got what he thinks are the best people. And of those people, he's got Daniel and his buddies. And his buddies, Belshazzar, Hananiah, and um, Azariah. So these guys all get named, renamed, uh, the familiar names that we kind of remember these buddies as is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he um, renames them. Um, uh, they get renamed Babylonian names. They're trying to do them like a Babylonian makeover over these fellas. Now Daniel gets his name, uh, Belteshar, and uh, so um, but he keeps going by his name, Daniel. And so Daniel's apparently not going to be uh, changed. They, um, uh, as McGee says, you know, sometimes these, uh, these governments try to brainwash the, the people and, um, and they try to do it through a lot of force and coercion, but Nebuchadnezzar was probably a little bit more cunning. He's trying to brainwash these people, the nobility, to um, take up the Babylonian ways, and uh, he's doing it through... Um, um, enticement, you know, he's giving them uh, kind of a place, he's got a deal set up for them, instead of these guys being prisoners, he's gonna, uh, he wants to educate them, 
he wants to teach them the literature and the language of the of the Chaldeans. You know, in other words, he wants to give them the the best uh, of the best of the Babylonian culture. He wants them to sort of be changed by that. He wants to take the brightest out of Israel and um, convert them to um, the Babylonian way of thinking. And if so, he might be able to make uh, his society even better. He could showcase these folks as um, when the next group of um, Israelite prisoners come in, you know, he could use these to to maybe uh, turn these prisoners into better, uh, you know, Babylonian servants. There's, you know, a lot of a lot of reasons he might have wanted to do this. But in any event, they were going to give uh, they were going to be given even the same food that the king was going to eat, the same wine that the king was going to eat. And at the end of this 3 years of sort of remaining um um around the king's court doing all this intensive learning, it, you know, these folks were going to be brought before the king and then he was going to be able to ask him questions. So again, Nebuchadnezzar places a high value on knowledge and <clears throat> the ability of people to give him good counseling. Um, he was a local king, and he probably knew the value of bringing tribes together, bringing peoples together, because uh, he was good at it. He was a local you know, uh, tribal king, and he just was really good at coalescing people together, and that's how he built his his armies, and that's how he built his allegiances, and that's how he eventually took over the Assyrians and then took over the nation of Israel. So he was real good at that, and he was probably had a keen eye for how to get the best out of many different um, uh, types of people or different tribes. So here we are. Uh, Daniel says, no, I don't want to, you know, I'm learning stuff, but I'm not going to uh, eat the king's food and drink the king's wine because it goes against God's law. So we're sort of in a, in a, just like the worst case scenario for peer pressure. I mean, you've been taken captive. You're now around 17 years old. You've been taken captive back to Babylon. You don't have your parents or family with you. You have these other friends who are, who are with you. You're like out on your own. And um, you've just been given the chance to be on the king's court, to study, to sort of like go to college in Babylon. And uh, not only that, you've got a meal plan. You've got a, a meal plan probably is better meal plan than you might have even had back in Jerusalem. And so everything's a step up. You're at Babylon University here going to school and then you're on a great meal plan on the king's court. It's like you've you've done well, Daniel and your friends. So what a great unknown it would be to to defy this king. And Daniel and his buddies, I'm sure, saw a lot of people die back in Jerusalem during the siege of Jerusalem. I mean, it was so bad. You know, there was cannibalism going on back in Jerusalem. There was there was babies dying. Mothers were letting babies die just so they wouldn't have to live. And of course, 
you know, these Babylonians were dashing the heads of babies on rocks, as we saw. You know, so that they wouldn't have to care for these babies. Um, so that this generation would be blotted out. I mean, these guys have seen horrible things. And so, in many respects, they sh they were probably saying, you know, we're really blessed to even be alive. And so maybe it's God's will that this is what happens to us. But no, Daniel takes a really firm stand for God. So he's not going to eat the he's not going to eat the king's food, drink the king's wine. And so he convinces this uh, um, chief uh, steward over the eunuchs to um, to let him have his own food, sort of like a ten day test. And after the end of the ten days, the they would see which group of guys was stronger and better by um, eating either the king's food or the or the food that Daniel wanted to approve by God. So it's either the king's food, maybe it's a, a high uh, carbohydrate or high calorie diet, who knows, versus uh, Daniel's diet versus vegetables and water. So we'll um, um, take up in verse 14. So the this uh, uh, steward... Over them, uh, this is who's talking. So he listened to them in this matter. Okay, he's listening to Daniel. And he tested them for 10 days. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Verse 16. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So... The steward's no fool this, because the steward is responsible that when he brings these guys to the king, need, they need to look good. And the steward, that's why the steward was so fearful to start with about Daniel um, resisting to eat the food. I mean, if, uh, if Daniel resists the food and looks worse, this steward's, you know, head's on the line. He could be executed for not doing his job properly, you know. But uh, so he's got an interest, and he's like like he can force feed Daniel. If he tries to force feed and Daniel doesn't eat, Daniel's going to look worse. So he, he figures making a deal with Daniel is probably the best way to go, and that's what he does. And then he finds out that Daniel's diet is even better than the king's diet. So he's out for results. He wants to see Daniel and uh, looking his best and all his buddies looking his best. Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And notice again that we see that God provided God provided. So we see this uh, several times here. God gave them the learning and the skill in all literature. This is God interacting in this story. And this is God's... God is not just sitting on the sidelines. 
God is with them. God is orchestrating this whole bit of history. Um, when Daniel and his buddies end up in Babylon, in verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Okay, This is God touching people's hearts. This is God um, letting people make decisions. Now, of course, the eunuch is probably, you know, the chief of the eunuchs. He's, he's saying, I'm in control. I'm doing what I think is, you know, it's me, me, me. I'm doing it. But really, God's doing it. God's hand is allowing him to have this decision. And of course, Daniel and his buddies, the temptation for them was to say, me, 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 look how smart we are. Look how good we can do things. And how good we are, you know, uh, appearing. But it was God's diet. It was God's instruction. And God blessed them and gave them the skill and the learning. And even back in verse 2, Jerusalem itself fell because God, the Lord, gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Into the hand. This is being Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And God gave some of the vessels of the house of God to King Nebuchadnezzar's army. Okay? So it's God that gives up the nation. It's God that gives up the vessels. It's God that gave Daniel favor. And it's God that gave Daniel learning and skill and literature and wisdom. Okay? So God is in control, even though men think they might be in control. Verse 18, at the end of the time, this is three years that has gone by, you know, Daniel's been at college, sort of at the school of Babylon, studying, okay? At the end of time when the king, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, this is like final exam time. You have oral exams. The king wants to see what his investment has, how his investment is paid off. The chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine that? What drama that would be. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. A.K.A. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. So therefore they stood before the king. And in verse 20, And in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enhancers that were in all his kingdom. I mean, these guys were so superior in knowledge and understanding. I mean, they stood out. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Okay, so just a, a fast-forward footnote here that Daniel starts off at 17 years old, and he's there probably until he's about 90 years old, according to McGee. So in other words, he outlasts Nebuchadnezzar. And then there's another king, Nabondius, and then uh, sort of... King Belshazzar, I think that's one of Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's kids. And then you've got 
um, the Persian Empire actually coming in to invade the Babylonian Empire, and that's King Cyrus. So Daniel is going to be um, sort of influencing two great kingdoms. He's going to be in the court of the king of Babylon and king of Persia. And of course, I believe it was King Cyrus that um, allowed the, I think it was King Cyrus, that allows the um, Israelites to return home. So in any event, we're seeing the powerful impact that Daniel made on King Nebuchadnezzar to start off with. And um, so you know, reading this story, I mean, Daniel chapter one gets right into it. There's no wasted time here in chapter one. And it starts off being taken to Babylon. I mean, this, you know, Daniel opens and closes in Babylon. He never returns to Israel. His whole life as a prophet um, is in captivity. And so we are going to see um, what happens to, to Daniel. But then towards the end of this book of Daniel, we're going to start seeing forward prophecy uh, towards um, end times, which is, I'm, I can't wait to get into that. That's going to be great to study. But look what lessons we learned today, that Daniel and his friends, they avoid all the luxuries of societies, all the temptations of society, saying, hey, you know what, you know, this is going to be good for you. We, we want to see how you do with this, you know, and Daniel says, no, God's already told me that that's not going to be good for me. God's told me what is going to be uh, proper for me. And that's what Daniel holds on to. How often are we in a similar situation where we really know what's good for us, but we have the world telling us what's good for us? We need to do like Daniel. We need to hold on what God's telling us to do rather than trying to be tempted by what the world tells us to do. And, um, and in a sense, these are people of God living in a faraway land. And we're, we're called in similar ways to be people of God in a faraway land. No matter what nation you live in, and you're listening to this, you're in uh, the world, and that's a faraway land from God's kingdom. And he calls us as Christians to be citizens of Christ, citizens of God's kingdom first. And whatever land you're in, you're in that land. But hold on to God's teaching. God knows what's good for us. And he tells us even um, it's not so much about the food that we're eating these days, because in the New Testament, you know, Jesus is speaking through his um, apostles saying, you know, like as Paul says, it's what comes out of a man that is that is that makes a man holy, not what he eats, not what goes into a man. It's what comes out of a man. So we're not so much in the New Testament gospel message um, 
trying to talk about food, but metaphorically, sort of a big, like a um, um, uh, uh, an example, is that um, we're we're people living in like a faraway land, just like Daniel was, and Daniel's holding on to God's commandments as dictating what his life should look like. And so Daniel and his buddies were dependent on God for their food. They were dependent on God for their very lives. They were depending on God as their creator and king, not King Nebuchadnezzar. And they knew who made them. It's not evolution from monkeys like today. That we this generation thinks that monkeys made them. This generation of people thinks they're so smart that they originated from a pile of mud, a primordial soup mix. Like this generation feels that they came from dirt or evolved from a monkey or a lower animal. But Daniel in this generation would know that he came from God. You know, and that no matter who's in charge, God is ultimately in charge. That's what Daniel and his buddies were uh, doing to their uh, in their culture, relying on God for everything, even their food. And at the end of the trial period, you know, Daniel appeared better. Okay, in the men's sight, but he was also better in appearance in God's sight. Why? Because he's following God's commandments. And it's really all about how we appear in God's sight. It's not how we appear in man's sight. And so I would dare to say that no matter how Daniel appeared, Daniel was going to eat the food that God commanded him to do. Now, he's following whatever else Nebuchadnezzar has him do. He's obedient. He's learning the literature. But he's maintaining the principles that God wants him to do. And so through that, Daniel and his buddies are now in a position to be a blessing to their captors and build up the society that they're in. So that all those who see Daniel can see what God can do. Daniel didn't go over there to fight, you know, Nebuchadnezzar. He's there to humbly serve in humility, but he's holding on to his own principles that come from God. And through those type of actions, those around Daniel could see God's blessing. And despite all the extraordinary peer pressure, government pressure, society pressure, all those around could see God's blessing through Daniel. And that's the same position that we're in today too. We can hold on to God's commandments for us. We can hold on 
to God's teaching and Christ's instruction to us. But beyond that, no matter where you are, no matter how good or bad uh, you have it, those around you can see God's blessing in your life. You may be popular, you may not be popular. You may be rich, you may not be rich. You may have a, a good position or you may be in a position where people are always tormenting you. You may be of great health or you may be poor health or even fighting for your life. But you hold on to God's teaching, God's principles first. And whatever happens, you don't give those up. That's what Daniel is showing us. There's some things you don't give up, no matter even if you're a prisoner, taken prisoner somewhere, away from home. There's some things you don't give up. And that's knowing who you are and knowing what God wants you to do. Beyond that, you're in a position to bless somebody else. And those people, their hearts can be touched in ways that fighting with them won't. And we're going to see how God uses Daniel to even touch Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He uses Daniel to touch Cyrus's heart. God uses Daniel to touch great two great kingdoms. So, being true to yourself, daring to be Daniel, no matter what the peer pressure situation is like. What a great lesson for us today as we walk as people like Daniel in a faraway land, in a land that's far away from our home, and our home being the kingdom of God. And we're down in another kingdom with a bunch of peer pressure on us every day. So let us hold true to what we know is right. Let us hold true to sound teachings from our Father in heaven. And our diet be a diet of, of the gospel message that we, that we insist that we need to, to feed on, the Word of God. And then we can be judged better and wiser and superior because of God's Word in us and all the folks around us. Not for our own glory, but for God's glory. And then, then we become blessings to others. So, hope this was helpful. We'll take up chapter 2 tomorrow as we continue our study of Daniel. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. And this is so much fun going through this with you and with all the rest of you listening in. What a great book. And uh, so God bless you all. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Daniel chapter 1, beginning at verse 14, all the way to chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> so um, in the previous study, when we opened the book of Daniel, uh, we saw, you know, Daniel made a stand for God. 
he decided, he purposed it in his heart. Um, you know, in verse 8 of uh, chapter 1, it says, But Daniel purposed it in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. So that's the king, that's the meats, nor with the wines which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So here we have Daniel making a stand for God. You know, they were under the Mosaic law. Uh, Daniel and his three other friends, that's... Um, that's Daniel, uh, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. They made a stand for God. You know, they were under the Mosaic law where they were, um, you know, they were told, you know, they were instructed not to eat certain meats um, because certain meats were, um, you know, rendered foul. And, you know, certain meats were actually uh, given as offerings to uh, pagan gods. So they were very repulsive to um, some Israelites. And then Daniel was also a Nazarite and he was uh, forbidden to drink, um, you know, wines and eat certain grapes as well as uh, raisins. So um, Daniel, in this uh, retrospect, he made, so in this perspective, sorry, he made a stand uh, for God. He purposed it in his heart. So Daniel was a man of purpose. He was a man of prayer and he was a man of prophecy. So uh, this is what we saw when we uh, uh, began the book of Daniel. So he purposed it in his heart. And um, so Daniel um, actually made a request from uh, the chief eunuch and um and he and, and the chief eunuch was um ashpenaz actually he made a, a request uh and he requested for a grain diet um from the chief uh eunuch so here you know daniel was a favorite he 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 was a favorite of um you know, this chief eunuch actually liked him and they requested like, you know, test this diet. You know, he wanted his wheat, his, his grains, test this diet on us for 10 days and, you know, compare it, like see our appearances. And, you know, after 10 days, if it doesn't work, then like um, now reprimand can go out to the servants who actually were savoring that particular diet. Right. So now um, scripture reads, I'll begin at verse 14. It says, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. So here now, you know, the diet actually worked. Um, and, you know, it was a healthy diet. And, you know, Dr. David McGee pointed out, like, if we want a healthy diet, um, you know, let's look at the diet in Leviticus that God gave his people. It was a very healthy diet and very um, thingy. Um, yeah, very healthy and, you know, good for the body. And, you know, there's a reason why God actually gave them, uh, recommended that particular diet for them. You know, try it out. But now, you know, we're not subjected to um, to the law. We're in the age of grace. So we're not subjected to, uh, we're not under the Mosaic law. And, you know, we can eat anything that's um, here on earth because this is God's earth. And um, scripture goes on to read um, in verse 16. <clears throat> Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine uh, that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So in other translations, it says gave them uh, grains. So here, um, you know, Melshaz, that's uh, the chief eunuch or Ashpenaz, actually. In my translation, it's Ashpenaz. So Melshaz gave them that particular diet that they had actually requested for. So they had requested for the wheats. Um, and, you know, they removed um, the king's diet that consisted of, you know, king's delicacies like meats and um, wines and all. So that diet was actually given to them. 
Verse 17 goes on to read, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So here, um, now uh, we hear God, we see here God blessed the Hebrew children. So God blessed these uh, four uh, boys. So um, just, as he, just as he had uh, blessed Solomon with wisdom. So, you know, in a foreign court, Daniel would be prime minister of two world empires. So here Babylon was going to be like um, the first civilized world empire. And God blessed Daniel with all these, um, you know, wisdom and all and, 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 and understanding in literature and prophecy. So God was speaking to Daniel in dreams. And today God speaks to people in his word. He doesn't speak to people in dreams. Like there's the word of God, there's the word of God right now. And, um, you know, these men had God's word and, you know, we shall later on see that Daniel had the book of Jeremiah as, you know, he refers to it later on. But, you know, today in our dispensation, we have the Bible, you know, we have these, um, books of the Bible and this is God's word and God speaks to us through his words today. You know, if you don't understand it, read it again. If you don't understand it, pray over it and read it again and keep reading it until you actually understand it. Because the Holy Spirit, you know, when the Holy Spirit fills us, it leads us into understanding God's word. <clears throat> Verse 18 goes on to read, Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, like they were put in training, you know, for three years and Nebuchadnezzar would look at their, you know, at the training that uh, was given to them um, if it was actually proper training. So Nebuchadnezzar made it a point, whichever nation he went and conquered, he made it a point to take, you know, the cream of the crop um, and, you know, brainwash them, whitewash them, brainwash them into Babylonian, Babylonian people. And, you know, so that they would actually advise him and, you know, they would go through like, you know, certain training, obviously they'll go through like, um, IQ training or whatever training that they would go through. And then Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he would give them a test and see if, um, you know, how wise these people are. And, you know, he would call them in his court and, you know, interview them and all and see if the training actually worked. So he was surrounded by, um, you know, a lot of intelligent, young, wise people. Verse 19 goes on to read, then the king interviewed them and among them all no, and among them, all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. So, you know, after he actually interviewed them, you know, because God had blessed these Hebrew children, you know, with knowledge and wisdom. And, you know, after his, he interviewed them, he realized these are really smart uh, kids. And, um, you know, he now elevated them. He gave them positions, uh, positions of influence. And... Um, and um, yeah, because they were like really smart. So um, verse 20, you know, because they were very outstanding. And, you know, after the king had interviewed them, so he gave them like very good positions. So verse 20 goes on to read, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, astrologers who were in all his realm. So, you know, people today who tend to say, you know, the Bible, you know, it's just like uh you know, a, you know, like um, an unintelligent book, and it's 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 draconian and all, and you know, um, and these are people who are actually not even smarter than Daniel and you know these other um, Hebrew children because back then they were like really smart 
there was really smart people. There was Solomon who had, you know, like immense wisdom and immense knowledge. There was Daniel, you know, there was Jeremiah, you know, there were all these prophets. There were all these really smart people. And, um, you know, the four had intellect and knowledge and Daniel moved, um, to the, you know, the head of the class. Daniel was like really smart. And, um, you know, there was no one like them. They were 10 times better than, you know, all the magicians in that civilized, um, uh, nation then in that particular age. Um, so verse 21 goes on to read, um, and in all, sorry, um, verse 21 reads, thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. So here Daniel's story, um, in this book actually begins when he was, um, at the age of 17 years old and he was like um, taken captive he was a prisoner of war he was taken into captivity and you know he didn't return um so he lived the whole period from the time he was 17 until the entire um 70 years of captivity um that must have been like in his 90s but you know there's no record of him dying but he did not return back after the um the the whole period of of captivity so now we come to chapter two so, chap, you know, in chapter one, um, you know, we saw the heathen customs uh, that were judged. In chapter two here, we're going to see the heathen uh, philosophy is judged. And we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the multi-metallic um, image and Daniel's interpretation concerning, you know, the four kingdoms of the times of um, the Gentiles. And then we have... Um, the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and the demands upon the wise men. So that's um, from verse 1 to verse 9 of chapter 2. And then we see the decree of Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the wise men for failure to tell the dream. And that's from verse 10 to verse 13. And then we have uh, the desire of Daniel to be granted time to tell the dream. That's from verse 14 to verse 18. And then we have the dream of Nebuchadnezzar described by Daniel in detail from verse 19 to verse 35. And then... Um, the definition of the four world empires and the um, and their destroy um, and their destiny as you know interpreted by Daniel. So that's from verse thirty six to verse forty three, and we have the destruction of the Gentile world powers and the full establishment of the kingdom of heaven. That's from verse forty four to verse forty nine. So this prophecy is the basic to the understanding of prophecy. So this is like the backbone of prophecy. This is like the ribs of prophecy. And, you know, at verse 1 here of chapter 2, it reads, Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left. So here, you know, we have the first world great empire, and that was the, the, this empire, that's Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar began to unite the different tribes and took over the Assyrian Empire and he overcame the Egyptians. You know, and this is something that the Egyptians would have learned from because Nebuchadnezzar grew this particular empire. And obviously, you know, he was looking at this world empire that he had built. And, you know, he was wondering, like, you know, what the future held, what was going to be of this future. Obviously, he worried. And when he had this dream, he was, like, really concerned and worried, like, what does this dream actually mean? And, you know, Egypt, Egypt never reached, um, you know, the power of Babylon, that Babylon reached. But Egypt did have a lot of influence on, um, um, you know, nations um, 
back then and you know like even nations today egypt did have that influence but it never reached um as much power as um you know babylon the nation babylon actually reached um so here now uh so now here we have you know the first world great power and now here um you know nebuchadnezzar actually grew this uh united the different tribes and grew this um empire Babylon and he was surrounded by you know really really wise people um, people who have been given knowledge and intellect from God so yeah this is um, the beginning of the book of Daniel and I'm excited um, to learn more and I hope you'll stick around uh, thank you all for listening and God bless and have a pleasant Tuesday bye bye